0: Are you guys ready for a new series called Resilient? This series is going to shorten the time it takes you to recover from the storm. The way your life is right now, you know, if you have trouble on Monday morning, it might throw you for a month. Somebody here has had trouble like a year ago and it's still throwing you. But I can guarantee, because it's not anything that I can do in your life, But i can guarantee that if you let god do what god wants to do in your life by the end of this series i think he's going to get your uh, spring back time down to a few days first wednesday is coming seven o'clock wednesday night that's a night of like worship and prophetic ministry if you've never been here it is off the chain And we say you can struggle all month or you can just go to First Wednesday. We would go to First Wednesday. It's really like an eyeball-to-eyeball sort of a time where we just get to talk about what the Lord is doing. And and then there's a lot of prophetic prayer ministry. And I think that you and I are trying to work things too much and we need to let God do the heavy lifting. And we forget that only God can change a heart. And so much of the people struggle is you trying to change somebody's heart or you trying to change your own heart. And you doing heart surgery. We talked about it. And I think we just need to let God do heart surgery. And so come out on first Wednesday. And there's just, there's always these moments of direction and, and um, these things that God wants to do. So listen, um, it's not how many punches you can throw. It's how many you can take and still throw down venue church. When I was young, I used to think that it's how hard you could punch. It's not, it's not really. It's who doesn't die before the end of the race. Who's parenting teenagers right now? Just don't die. <laughs> it's who can last because, listen, we've got to run the race and we're trying to win the race. I don't think it's about winning. I think it's just about finishing sometimes. And you have to be resilient to f- fin- finish the race of this lifetime. Pray for p- parents of teenagers. Come on, Benue Church. Thanks, Sean. Today's sermon is called uh, Insecure Much. It's all about insecurity. Um, you know, when you were a kid on the playground, do you remember somebody looked at you funny and it would just throw you for a loop? You'd go home crying to mom, somebody took your ball, somebody said you had a big nose. Now you're wondering who I'm looking at right now. But you know, as you grow older, you, you, you ought to be building a little resilience because now everybody around you thinks that your nose is too big. And you don't care anymore. (laughs) You know, there's something like what happened when you went home and your mom is like, who cares about how big your nose is? Look at that kid who said it. Look at their ears. (laughs) You know, like there's there's we like big noses in this family. There's something that settled you down that gave you a bit of resilience so that the same attack doesn't hurt you the same time the next way. You know, or you go home to a dad like my dad who said used to say to say like nobody's thinking about you half as much as you think they are. Basically, like, you're not that important. You don't, like, sit in people's minds all day. Like, hey, I wonder what Corey is thinking, you know? And it just settled me down and started to realize, like, oh, okay, it just, it brought this perspective and it brought this power to my life, this resiliency. Now, if you're a strong personality type, I just want to do a, uh, you know, shots fired from Pastor Aaron because you and I can, because I have a strong personality, we can tend to check out when I'm preaching about insecurity because you think, I'm not insecure, I have a strong personality. Pastor Aaron's like, Oh, strong personalities are insecure too. I was talking about somebody uh, with, with her a little while back. And she's like, oh, they're insecure. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're too strong to be insecure. And she said, no, it just looks different. And I realized, yeah, okay. You know, a strong personality tends to like consolidate our forces around us and strong personalities can build walls around us. And then we're, we're vulnerable up to a point. Cause I'm like, I can afford this amount of vulnerability. And God's like, you need to pour it all out. And I'm like, uh, that's not the plan, though, around here. And God's like, the plan needs to change. Yeah. We all struggle with insecurity. Um, and that was Pastor Erin, and that's on her if you're mad. Okay, let's define resilience for this uh, series, I think. It's the ability to bend beneath the load, but catch this, but spring back into God's design for you. So, so something has happened last week, something has happened in your life or maybe in your childhood and you need, to get, you need to get healed of this in the prayer corner after the sermon. You need to apply God's word. There's something in your life that God is gonna do but it's the ability, resilience is the ability to bend beneath the load but spring back into God's design. Now why, why would I say that? Don't you mean just spring back? No, no. You can spring back but not into God's design. Because the storm has a way of warping you. And you can spring back and spring back not far enough. Uh, you can spring back over on this side. I see people do that all the time. The devil hits them over here, and then they spring back, not into what God designed them to do, or be, or feel, or think, but into all of this thing way over here. And that was the devil's point was to just like, I'm gonna pull this tree down and then let it go but we spring back not into God's design. See, God's design for you is his choice and it's how he made you and you have to spring back into the right place. And so as we preach about, uh, as, I pre- as we preach, you're not preaching, as I preach about resiliency, the idea is that you spring back into what God had in mind for you because God's only going to bless what he designed. Yeah. Now, um, Now, we think in today's society that, hey, it would be better to be like a concrete tower than to be a tree. But a concrete tower, the trouble is, if there's not enough flex in it, when the storm comes up, then it just falls and lands on whoever happened to be under it. And, and I feel like this last little bit of lockdowns landed on some of us. And I saw a lot of concrete people I thought were real strong kind of like fall and shatter. Well, there's this flexibility, this resiliency, this bounce back, this elasticity, this... You can't have a hard heart and be resilient at the same time. There's a softness about it that's the key, but we have to do it the way that God wanted us to do it. Now, um, resilient people, this is what you want. A resilient person kind of learns as they they go. You ever see somebody in the middle of trouble at work just kind of like bounce around a little bit and then land on the right path and then figure out the next thing that they needed to do, figure out the way to order the team or what product to... And they just, you ever see somebody with trouble in their home? Just kind of like bounce their way through it and then come out. They always seem to come out ahead. A resilient person learns as they go. But see, if you're not resilient, the temptation is there to try to memorize past victories. That doesn't work. It only works if the exact same circumstance happens with the exact same people, with the exact same frame of mind, in the exact same mental space, in the exact same, in the exact same amount of mileage on your car, in the exact same. You can't memorize past victories. And so God wants to create a resilience in you because tomorrow's challenge is going to be new. You're not going to have faced it. And there's this thing where where we become very reactive, even to what God was trying to do. It says in the old old scriptures, it says. Israel saw the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. And so Israel saw all the acts, but an entire generation died in the wilderness because Moses was trying to teach them God's ways. You know, Pastor Erin and I have been married a long time. And how many people agree that she ought to be able to understand my my grunts now? Because why would I spend 57 sentences when I could just do one grunt and she ought to know what it means? 20 some years with me? There's like 10 different variations of grunt. If you figure it out. I thought I had her figured out one time. I bought her some flowers. And then the next month I bought her the same flowers and it didn't work. I'm like, I had this figured out. And she's like, you can't figure it out. Come on, ladies. Say amen. Help me preach. You can't figure us out. It can't be the same flowers. I'm like, but it made... You can't memorize past victories the resiliency that god wants you to have will help you move through the next challenge and kind of bounce around until you come out in the right spot and and there's there's an anointing of god to be able to do that but if you don't have that anointing you're missing that grace you're missing that peace in the middle of the storm god is going to add it to you in this series um resiliency has friends and enemies so i'm going to preach about three friends in this series of the resilient and about two enemies insecurity is obviously an enemy of the resilient here's a friend of the resilient faith faith I'm going to preach about Abraham preach about Abraham and his dealings with his spoiled nephew Lot and you're going to see that he wasn't worried when Lot got promoted and when he gave Lot something that God had actually maybe intended he didn't get worried about it he was very resilient faith this is what the Holy Spirit showed me about faith are you ready faith sees what God could do when I preach I try to preach into who you are could be like tomorrow I don't preach like where you are. I preach because I see something. Abraham saw what could be and plotted a course. And by the time he got there, God made it a reality. But a person without faith calls themselves a realist. Any realists in the house? Pessimists. When you don't have the faith to see what could be in your teenager, you'll always deal with them with who they are not who they're supposed to be. You won't be preaching them into, you won't preach your husband into who God is making him to be. You'll just treat him like you see him. And there's this thing that when you plot a course to what God thinks, God is like, hey, I want this to happen and you plot a course and then you jump and you start moving there. By the time you get there, God causes it to be. It takes resiliency to do that because you have to step out where you can't see right now. You have to treat somebody like you... Maybe they don't deserve yet. There's this... You want to know another uh, friend of of uh, the resilient? Innocent trust. I'm, I'm going to preach about uh, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was just a teenager when the Gabriel came to her. Freaked her out. It's like, and you're pregnant. And good luck with Joseph. It's the Holy Spirit. Just explain it to him. He'll be fine. In a day when if if you got pregnant outside of wedlock, you could be killed. You you would be the shame of your town. Uh, Nobody would speak to you. Your own family would cast you out. And Gabriel's like, hey, this is all according to God's plan. There was a holy naivety about her. You know, my daughter, Nila, you want to know why she's like the cheerful mom every morning? She comes bouncing down the stairs. She's naive enough. This, This helps her with that. She... Can I just say this? She thinks that she has an amazing dad. She doesn't know yet. She thinks she has an amazing dad and that no matter what happens to her that day, her dad can probably take care of it. What if you had that kind of frightful, holy naivety about God, your heavenly father. You were just naive enough to think that he's probably going to be able to take care of you. And you don't need to worry about it. You need, just need to let God do what he wants to do and just relax a little bit more. There's something about that in the life of Mary that you're going to see. Even though she was a teenager, she had an understanding that a lot of adults don't have these days Because she's just like, okay. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Um, here's another friend. Mission. Your mission will give you resilience or it will make you hard like a concrete tower Do you have the wrong mission and i'm going to talk about the apostle paul see paul went from being like a horribly not resilient person and and jesus has to like shatter the concrete tower on the road to damascus and be like dude all of your scriptural learning you're fighting you're pulling on a choke chain is what he told him like you're you're a dog pulling on the choke chain and wondering why you can't breathe but what god does in his life is like look No matter where you are and how not resilient you are right now, God is going to shift you in this series to be more like the Apostle Paul who's just like, hey, and let's go plant a church and let's go do this and let's go, and we're not worried and we're going to, it's going to be powerful. Okay, here's some enemies, insecurity, and insecurity always has a brother called pride. You don't think that they come from the same family, but they do. The same thing as fear and anger. They always hang out with each other. Um, And I'm going to be preaching about um, the prophet Balaam and... uh, stubbornness. We got any stubborn people in the house? Yeah. <laughs> Raise, you better be mentally raising your hands right now. Everyone's like, what do I do? Stubbornness. The prophet Balaam. Listen, um, the Bible says stubbornness is as bad as idolatry. It's as bad as worshiping idols. Why? Because you create an idol of your opinion. And you want everybody to worship at that altar. And God's like, we don't worship at the altar of, and then God sends a donkey to speak to you. It's going to be a great, uh, It's going to be a great sermon. The only thing you'll listen to is a donkey sometimes if you're stubborn to everybody. Um, now King Saul, that's I'm, I'm preaching about King Saul. Can you imagine being the king before King David, who was like a horribly disappointing king? And then God sends you a David. Well, I'm going to go back to kind of the earlier part of Saul's reign. Actually, was quite good. He was a great king. He he had victories over miraculous. He was a miraculous commander. He, he had victories that only the Holy Ghost could have done and got the enemies of Israel off his back. But then something happens and he leaves an unresolved issue of insecurity that he doesn't let the Holy Spirit deal with. And you're going to see in his life what happens. Um, have you ever met an insecure person? It's, what are insecure, what do you like when you're insecure? You know, I, um, we had in my dad's church, we had been raising money to drill a well in Africa. So we had by the time we were done about thirty-five thousand dollars to drill a well in Africa, and then I took my dad's church over, I preached about that, and so we had thirty-five thousand dollars raised to drill a well, and uh, we were gonna drill it in a certain spot, but then our contacts there got a bit corrupt and we're like we didn't feel good about that anymore. So we went, my parents started traveling with another missions organization. Not Haiti Arise, Pastor Marcus right here, not you. A different missions organization in Africa. Haiti, Africa, Are we get in the feeling, okay. You guys are awesome. We invest in you. We feed the poor. Um, but in, in Africa, and so he, my parents started traveling with them and we had already decided we're going to drill a well for them in one of their properties where they have like, um, they have ministry going on and the, the town needed water. And we're like, perfect. We have the money. We're ready to go. So we sit down for lunch with my parents, with a friend of mine who w- my parents had traveled with, I think traveled with, but he, he, I grew up with his daughter. We knew him a lo- very well. And, um, and then the head of the missions department of this organization. So we sat down for lunch. And from the moment Pastor Aaron and I sat there, I'm like, who is this guy? Listen, Kaplet, if somebody agrees to buy a car, stop talking. Every salesman knows. If the deal is done, stop talking. We were ready to go. We were like ready to write the check. And he starts talking. But he was so insecure that he starts like bragging about himself and spends an hour talking about himself. And I'm like, I know this is hard to imagine me thinking of something like this, but three times I just about said, I just about said, I was like, but he wouldn't stop talking to let me get in there. I'm like, you gotta stop talking if you want the money. Like, I'm just like on the verge of like, stop talking. Like, I don't care who you know and I don't care what you've done. we just wanna yeah. give water to, poor people that's all that we're trying to do here like I don't I don't care I thought I thought that we were here just to do that that thing but you want to talk about you and I remember and I talked to my friend after and uh and he said the whole time I just had this voice in my head screaming what is happening <laughs> now the funny thing is I, I know actually the, the guy who was there I know his boss now or friends and I know some of the other people and we're like buddies and we hang out. And I asked them about this, like, what, what's going on at that time? Because I didn't know if it was like the whole organization or if it was just this guy having a really, 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 really bad day. And so they're like, well, there was a, a shift happening and he was insecure about his place and all of it. So this is what it led to. You ready? $35,000. It led to him sending us an email like a little while later saying like, hey, thanks. Thanks for the offer, but we don't need it. Now venue church, if you're on my staff or you're volunteering for us and you turned down $35,000 to drill a well, we needed it. Because of his insecurity that, that it wasn't him. And because my parents were developing relationships there and he felt like it was somehow undermining him when I'm like, God sent them to you to, God sent us to you to help you. Watch the life of King Saul. God will send somebody to you. Listen, insecurity pushes the right people away. The very person God sends to you, your insecurity is going to push them away. You'll be attracted to them because you need something that they have and you'll sense it. But on the other hand, if you don't deal with your insecurity, you'll end up pushing them out of your life. It's what King Saul did. See, you don't see tomorrow yet. And God wants you to be able to jump in faith into your tomorrow. Um... But the trouble is, what you know already is what is keeping you from knowing the next thing. And what you know they got you where you are to raise a two-year-old will not get you to raise a successful six-year-old. It only got you here. Because there's always something that you don't know. And what you know about discipline has to mature and go deeper. But to do that, you ready, church? You have to unlearn A little bit of what got you here. But when you pour it in concrete and you're like, we figured it out, you can't figure it out. And then the child goes, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with new, and all of a sudden things change, and you have to unlearn some of this. That's what maturity is, isn't it? Unlearning what you think you know so that you learn more. What you understand of love when you're two is not what you understand of love when you're 22. I shouldn't have said 22, because 22 is still. 32, 42. You have to grow up, but you have to unlearn. Now, what insecurity does is insecurity ties a safety rope and you get your sense of security. But think about it like this. If God is telling you to climb a cliff, he wants you tethered ahead of you. And so he's like, come on, we can climb this thing and he's going to throw you a rope, but he's going to send somebody to throw you a rope who's either been where you are or has the anointing to get you there. What insecurity does is insecurity ties the rope on to the bottom of the cliff to what you know and what you're comfortable with and to your past victory and to your past win and to something that just worked back then and I I get so tired of hearing Christians they have 30 year old testimonies that's all they can talk about I'm like what did God do in the last 30 years all you can talk about is that thing still you're tethered to the bottom of the cliff and listen insecurity gravity always works in its favor faith It's easier to pull somebody down than to pull it up. And there's this idea that you're going to have to cut that rope of your safety rope to what you know and to what you think. And and you're going to have to only go with the one rope which is ahead of you in the journey. And God sends King Saul. King Saul is struggling in in his kingship. He's made some huge errors because he was so insecure. He started leading the people according to what the people wanted and not according to what God wanted. You can't raise teenagers according to what teenagers wanted. If you haven't figured that out, that's for free. And get some counseling. Quit. And and so it says, The Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. So when the Spirit of God leaves your life, and you're going to see that the Spirit of God left uh, largely to his insecurity... So he made some really, really bad decisions that dishonored God and in, in his insecurity and then the Spirit of God left him and created a vacuum. And when the Spirit of God leaves you because you're insecure and you forget who God made you to be, you forget who you really are, then what happens is you start identifying with the sin in your life instead of selling it out. And then you're like, well, I'm just this way. I'm just this way. Accept me. Love me. And your wife is like, love the bad parts of you? The parts of you that tell lies? I'm supposed to love that? And it becomes who you are, and then you demand that everybody accept this, because that's not who you are. Do you do that with your insecurity? I'm just insecure. They have to love me anyways. Do you love insecurity? Should you love insecurity? Daughter of heaven, son of the living God, Christ follower, King Saul, says "The spirit of the Lord left and watched what filled him, depression and fear. I think sometimes we're trying to deal with depression and fear, but I think maybe what we need is more of the spirit of the Lord because the spirit of the Lord comes in and fills you up and starts the other stuff's got to go someplace. The spirit of God's not going to hang out with depression and fear for very long. Come on, church. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Do you guys know what a harp is? Yeah. <laughs> Google it, it's like a guitar, let's just say that. Let's find a good musician to play the harp. There's no like harp players in town, are there? I had somebody play the harp at my wedding. Maybe at the wedding, that makes sense to me now. I should think about these before I preach. Um, let us uh, find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and soon you will be well again. So even if you are insecure and you're not doing well, God will still send you somebody to help you. Isn't God good? Like He should. He should just be like, you're stupid, I'm done. You know? I don't know how many times I'm just like, I'm gonna get to heaven, I'm gonna be like, Why? Like I'd have left me a long time ago. I feel like I was a real pain in the neck for most of my life. God's gonna be like, hey, I'm bigger than that. And I send people to help you. I just hope I don't do what Saul does to David. Um, he'll play soothing music. You'll be well again. All right, Saul said, find me somebody who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons, David's dad, from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, man of war, and has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man. And the Lord is with him. somebody got to be like, yeah, hallelujah. There's fine people right here in Venue Church. Listen, this is before goliath so goliath we know that david wasn't 20 because all the 20 year old men had been conscripted so he had four brothers you know he had he had more siblings but he had four brothers that had gone to war but david didn't go to war with goliath that's the next chapter so he's less than 19 right now okay and and in this time this is before all of that so he's maybe 15 16 right now that's kind of the most of the the thought He's about that age. And it says, this guy says he's a brave warrior, a man of war and has good judgment. How would he know that he's a good, he has never been in a war. But you know, I was thinking maybe he's already beaten a lion or a bear. And sometimes you need people in your life that see who you could be and not who you are. Like, oh yeah, but he is, but he will be. But my teenager will serve the Lord. But my two-year-old devil child is not gonna be a devil child forever. We're gonna get him turned on to the gospel. And then he's gonna cause the devil a headache like I have a headache right now. Say amen, many church. It says, and the Lord is with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from, from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. When the victorious... Now, I'm going to go right now and I'm just going to skip over the whole Goliath part. So everybody kind of knows David and Goliath. Goliath loses. Are we... Yeah. I know you haven't been to church in a while, but <laughs> we, we get that far. So let's talk about the next day. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. So you gotta think here, like this, they're just being silly girls. They're just dancing out in the streets, singing the song they made up, like Sausin, you would, too, because here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The whole deal with Goliath was Goliath said, if I beat your guy, you're going to be our slaves. So you'd be singing silly songs, too, out in the street the next day if your daughters were like, yeah, don't have to be slaves, don't have to be dragged off by the Philistines. I mean, you'd be like, yeah, woo, everything is amazing. And I would just make up crap and sing it. I would just be happy. I, I don't even it doesn't need to make sense. And they make up this thing that doesn't make sense. Saul has killed thousands, and David tens thousands. David has killed one guy. He was big, but that's all it is. It's just one guy. But they're making up this song, and they're like, "Hey Saul, you're amazing. Where did you find this giant killer? You know, like, oh, he was in the field. Like, oh Saul, we love you. We love everything. You know." <laughs> but watch what Saul does. It says this made Saul very angry. I'm thinking maybe it's just me, but like the day before, I feel like you'd have given your left arm for Goliath to die. And now some silly girls are making up some silly songs because they're not slaves. And that makes you angry? Goliath didn't make you angry. Come on, church. Goliath didn't make you angry. You just sat there and listened to him trash talk. You're God for 40 days. When you're the biggest guy in Israel, why don't you go out there? What's this, he said. They credit David with 10,000s and me with only thousands. And all of his guys are like, you haven't killed thousands. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. Next, they'll be making him their king. (laughs) Definitive proof that insecurity makes you a crazy person. Makes your brain crazy. Next, they'll be making him their king. They just met him. He killed one guy. Listen, I can guarantee that if if David is like 17 here, the only person in the nation that wants a 17-year-old boy in charge is the 17-year-old boy. I can guarantee it. And nobody else is like, let's put a 17-year-old kid in charge. They seem smart. Who's 17 here? When I was 17, I thought I was smart. And then it's funny how my dad matured as I got older. Like, oh, he's starting to, he's starting to catch up. From that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. God sends him a giant killer, and he's like, I want to be the giant. Yeah, but you didn't. You were the giant killer. Maybe you didn't even have the anointing to kill that giant. You Keep a jealous eye on people. The very next day, watch this. A tormenting spirit from God overwhelms Saul. Insecurity will start overwhelming you. There's this thing called like emotional flooding. Where when you're insecure, everything piles on at the same time. And then you can't separate anything anymore. And you can't deal with issues. Because everything feels really bad all the time. Overwhelming him, his emotions. Overwhelming the sense of hopelessness. This Watch this, watch this. And he began to rave in his house like a madman. See, insecurity makes a king start acting like a fool. Insecurity will make you act the very opposite of what God wants you to act like. It'll make you discredit yourself. And then watch this. David was playing his harp as he did each day. If I had just beaten the Goliath the day before, I'm like, Turgon's gonna play the harp for me and he's gonna make me a coffee too. <laughs> play that harp, man, play it. I'm too important to play a harp right now. Not David. What's David doing? He's playing a harp. He's like, oh, you thought those songs were silly. Solace in is his thousands. He's like, oh Lord, don't let them find out that it wasn't me that killed the giant. I'm just glad I didn't die and get stepped on. I mean, he's just like, you know what he's doing? He's, he's singing a song and he's just like giving it all back to God and saying, don't let them find out that I'm just a shepherd boy. <laughs> he's just making, he's giving it all back. He's like playing his harp like he does every day. And, and he's just singing a song that's honest. And he's like, hey, I don't want them to look at me because I'm going to be very disappointing at some point in my life. You know, I want them to look at you you're the giant killer. You did it. It's all about you. As he did, he stayed. But Saul had a spear in his hand. Now, that's what your insecurity will do. You got to think about this. Saul's in his own house. Now, houses weren't big back then. They weren't like the size of this room. They was like, think about like your dining room. Like houses were small. King Saul's house, even then, was going to be small. It wasn't going to be a big house. And it says, David played his harp as he did each day. There's something about the habits that he learned in the field that gave him good habits on the throne. And, uh, but, David, er, but Saul, watch his habits. Think about this. He's holding a spear in his hand. Well, David's playing guitar across the room. He's holding a spear in his hand in his own house. That's what we do. You are alert for attack from your own family when you're insecure. You think there's a Philistine hiding in your own house that you don't know about? You start seeing enemies where there's friends. You start... It's funny, the heart of David holding a harp after the battle and the heart of Saul holding the spear. Watch what happens. He suddenly hurled it at David intending to pin him to the wall. The day after Goliath? To pin him to the wall. I know what I'll do. You gotta read the Bible if you don't read the Bible, by the way. There's some crazy stuff up there. Watch what it made him do. It made him crazy. To pin him to the wall. What happens the next time Israel faces a Goliath? Wanted. Goliath killer. Giant killer. What happened to the last guy? He's, uh, he's around. He's around. He's in my house, actually, right now ever since the day after the last Goliath. But David escaped him. Twice? Man, if I'm David, I'm like... Watch David's resilience. Why? Because God never told him to go. Because God never told him to go. Saul's spear was telling him to go, but God never told him to go. He walks back in there. Now... If I'm David, I'm thinking, I ain't going back there. And if I'm David, the second thing I'm thinking is like, dude just missed me from 12 feet away with an eight foot spear. I guess I know why he wasn't fighting Goliath. Come on, venue church. That's shockingly impossible. When you're insecure, that's how bad your aim gets. You think you're fighting the enemy, but you can't hit a guy playing a guitar from five feet away with it. Twice! See, it doesn't matter how big... See, to David, because he was resilient and a man of faith, Goliath was too big to miss. But I'll tell you, to Saul, Goliath was too big to hit. It's just overwhelming. Just too much is too. Escaped him twice. Saul was then afraid of David for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Insecurity makes you stop fighting the enemy and start fighting your friends. The very people God sends you, insecurity will make you stop fighting the real enemy and you'll start fighting your real friends that God sent you to defeat the real enemy. That's what insecurity does. Do you think of insecurity like I'm starting to think about it like maybe insecurity isn't a feeling that I have that I make a deal with so that it can stay. Because when I say insecurity, do you think that it's a sin? Or is it just a feeling you have because of your childhood? Or because of your circumstance? Or because somebody has hurt you? I'm starting to wonder if anything that helps, uh, keeps us from obeying God might be a sin to you. And I'm thinking insecurity definitely will. Come on, church. What if, what, if, what if you started treating insecurity and instead of treating it like a friend and tucking it in with you at night so that you wake up in the morning worried, giving it a seat at your table so you wonder what else everybody else is eating with their smokers, around the block. Somebody had a smoker going at seven in the morning when I went out to pray the other day. I'm like, I wonder why do I have a smoker, Aaron? Why do you love me? Why do we give it a seat at the table? Why do we let it go to bed with us? Why do we carry it around in our pocket and act like it's part of the family? Don't you think that God in heaven is looking at you saying, son of God, daughter of God, what are you insecure about? Deal with it. Start treating it like it's the devil. Start being like, what are you doing Insecurity? Get out of my, I don't need you. Watch, Saul's insecurity. He ends up sending assassins to the home of his daughter to kill David, who was married to her. He threatens the life of his own son. He consults a witch. He kills an entire priest, uh, priest village. Tell me insecurity is not a sin. Um, you know what, I, I think sometimes that you and I, what we do is we're like, yeah, but, but my home life, you don't understand, my husband is secure, but my home life, I don't think David's home life was better than Saul's, I think that David's was much worse. The Bible says, he says, writes down in the Psalms, even when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord is with me, meaning I was forsaken by my, there's thought that he was an illegitimate child of his father. Samuel goes to anoint the king out of David's uh, Jesse's sons, and David doesn't even get invited to the party. And he goes through all the sons, and he's like, is this it? Because none of these. He's like, well, there's this other kid, but he's not really part of the family. He goes to the battle of Goliath and his older brother. is like, what are you doing here? Are you useless? Go back to those sheep. We don't need you here. You're nothing. You're nobody. You know what, David? I think David, in the field of his pain and loneliness, when he went back to the sheep, learned something. I think he learned how to worship. And I think that his worship ground out his insecurity. Because when you're insecure, you're constantly wanting people to look at your face, but worship looks at God's face and starts wondering what he's thinking about you and starts glorifying his name. What are you thinking right now? What are you feeling? God, how do I make your life better? How do I make your, how do I praise? How do I? And God sees Saul and sends a David to Saul like God has sent a David to you. And David shows up at Saul's court and Saul's holding a spear and David's like, Where's your harp? I thought this was the worship jam. He goes, I brought my crappy harp from the shepherds. I thought that you would have a good one I could maybe borrow, but you don't seem to be, you're not playing that. Can I? You can't have somebody worship for you while you sit there and look on and deal with your insecurity. You have to drown your own insecurity in your own worship.